The great thing about this Ohio State offseason is that there is always something to talk about. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. For Tuesday, that is Bill Landis, still with a beautiful, sultry voice. And over there, Jeremy Birmingham with his normal voice. And I am Austin Ward. Ohio State is getting back Ty Hamilton. That's a pretty big deal for the Ohio State defensive line. And they did make their first coaching change of the offseason. Perry Eliano has not been retained as the safeties coach. We had been suggesting for a couple of days that there was going to be a move made on the defensive side of the ball. I think that there's a decent case to be made, guys, that uh, Perry Eliano did pretty good work with the safeties. I thought this year that group was really solid. They they certainly uh, were impacted by the injury in November to Lathan Ransom and missed some opportunities per perhaps to make some plays that would have made the difference uh, against Michigan. Um, but I think, I, I think back, Bill, to... Ryan Day talking in December about the way he evaluated coaches. And what was the first thing he said? Recruiting. Mm. Yeah. So I th that was the part that I guess Perry Eliano and Berm, you can weigh in on this one way or the other. That must have been the ultimate deciding factor here because I thought the on-field results probably said Perry Eliano's done enough that maybe he could be back for a third season. I think you look at it and you ask, were the on-field results going to happen regardless because you had a group of experienced guys coming back in their second year in a system and they would know what they were doing um, versus did Perry Eliano get them there? I think that's the big question. I'm, I'm not sure if Perry Eliano, I mean, I know that Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor and these guys to a man have spoken glowingly about Perry Eliano and the way that he coaches, the way he teaches, but I'm not sure. If you look at it from the big picture point of view, did he get a sixth year Josh Proctor to, to to understand the defense, or did the defense being the same for the first time, you know, back to back years in, in a while, did that help? Um, on the recruiting side of things, if you look at the last two years, you have uh, just not done well enough, and, and that's it's unfortunate. But a year ago, you signed Malik Hartford and uh, Jaden Bonsu. You add Jihad Carter in in the transfer portal in the twenty twenty four class. You sign. Leroy Roker, a three-star who had one offer from a, a Power 5 team before Ohio State offered. And while the Buckeyes may believe that like that evaluation down the road could be, um, you know, prove out, prove to be a really successful one for Ohio State, I t it wasn't Perry Eliano evaluating him and finding him. That's what guys in the building are doing. And then his job is to go out there and make that connection. Uh, and then you have uh, Jalen McClain, the other safety in this class, who... You know, it's just not enough. I mean, if you look at just the guys that Ohio State was in on in the last two years at safety, starting with Caleb Downs a year ago and then moving this year to Zaquan Patterson, uh, KJ Bolden, Coy Parrish, just miss after miss of these key guys that uh, if you want to build a safety-driven defense, you better have guys who understand how to drive from that spot. And there's just not enough of them in, in the room. And I think we've talked a lot in the last month about coaching alignment and if you are not getting that result out of Eliano then is it worth having a two-man safety or two-man secondary unit and I, I don't know if it is yeah I, th I mean I'm not I'm not surprised that this happened I'm a little surprised it's the first one we know of but um, I think everything that Berm said there make makes sense from a recruiting standpoint I, I think Perry Eliano left a lot to be desired there. Um, and like he, he brought in Malik Hartford, who's I think a good player and going to be a good player here. Like, I don't, I don't want to dismiss that, but just too many really big swings and misses, even the Koi Parrish one, like to not flip a kid from Minnesota when we all like everyone kind of felt like that was going to happen. And then it didn't happen. Um, Especially when you just, look at the room, Bill, like it, the, yeah. it's wide open. 
Yeah, and like, and that it gets a little precarious. I think if you look ahead, like after this year, how how the room might turn over. There's there's not a whole lot there. I think, especially if you if we think that Sonny Styles might eventually move to to linebacker. So there's going to be some holes they have to patch here um, moving forward. I'm I'm fascinated to see where they go from here because I I think that maybe there's a case to be made that you should try to find someone to coach the safeties who's like aligned with Jim Knowles, but. I also think there's a case to be made that Tim Walton's done a hell of a job with the cornerbacks and he comes from an NFL background where guys coach safeties and corners together all the time. Um, maybe he's the guy who should just take that over and recruit the entire secondary and, and not just cornerbacks. And I did think it was interesting. Maybe was it, I can't remember if it was Sunday or maybe Saturday when, when the all American game was happening. Um, Tim Walton tweeted a thing that was like, welcome to BIA. And it included corners and safeties. It wasn't just the corners who were coming in. And maybe I'm reading, far too much into that but i did i did take note of the fact that he was shouting out the safeties in addition to the corners but was suggested to me on monday after this move was finalized and formally announced by ohio state which again had been in the works uh, since friday but uh ryan day you know using that humanity part of himself to let perry eliano go to the coaching convention and potentially find a job there was a limit to how long that could actually happen before like People were seeing him and everyone knew that he was looking for a job and why that was going to be. So Ohio State did move to you know, formally announce that on Monday, but it was suggested that, well, maybe Tim Walton can take over that room and Jim Knowles can use some of his safety-driven defense expertise to help out in that room. I can't say with any 100% certainty that that will be the path that they go, but one, I don't know, benefit, I guess, to potentially doing it that way is that this... Larry Johnson, two defensive line coach plan could then be enacted with the vacancy and that open contract from Perry Eliano. I do still think that they're the most likely outcome for Ohio State with this alignment of the coaching staff is that James Laurinaitis would coach the linebackers but still remain a GA in name only. Now, that all of this comes with some risk because if when we're talking about James Laurinaitis, he's going to get more opportunities to go coach wherever he wants. Uh, that could be at the NFL level where teams were already trying to get him back out of Ohio State last spring. There could, you know, Missouri's looking to make coaching moves. You know, anybody who has an opening on their defensive side of the football is going to be calling James Laurinaitis. So keeping him in that role and not making him full time and not letting him go on the road does come with some element of risk. At some point, Ohio State and Ryan Day are going to have to make James Laurinaitis full time. Is now the moment that that has to occur? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Only James Laurinaitis and Ryan Day can answer that for sure. We have, you know, received some indication that because he is an alum, because he's making a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is more than most position coaches to be a GA, um, maybe Ohio State has afforded some flexibility to do this for another year. But this does all have to be worked out now. They've made that move. The first domino was tipped over, and then you decide on that course of action. Maybe they already have, um, but. There are like two sort of options there. One, which is don't take any risk and lock up James Laurinaitis right now to a big time raise. Or if you have a contingency plan, two defensive line plan, a Larry Johnson future transition plan, you can go after somebody splashy like Jason Taylor and then use that money in that spot for that. So there's sort of two tracks there, Berm. Yeah, I mean, you, you're going to get a, 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 a home team discount, I guess, with Laurinaitis probably. Uh, you you got it a year ago. The question is whether or not he's willing to give that to you for another year. Again, we, 
it seems like he may be, uh, but you can't guarantee it because you just don't know what's going to come, you know, from other opportunities. And the NFL coaching carousel is just going to, you know, power up the ride basically Tuesday morning and everything gets even weirder from here in that respect. So um, I think the interesting thing with Tim Walton coaching potentially the entire secondary and again, getting Jim Knowles back there to help with the safeties is that you do in that instance, at least put James Laurinaitis front and center at linebacker and say, this is the linebacker coach. It's not splitting time with Jim Knowles. And then a year from now, if the results at linebacker aren't significantly better, or if they, you know, get worse, then at least there's an idea of, okay, this isn't working where it is. And I think this year people had to, a, a perception of the linebackers getting worse from a year ago and, and have put that blame kind of on Laurinaitis. But we we all agree, I think, that it was more a, a byproduct of, of scheme change and philosophy change on the defense. But that can't be the case a year from now. So you're going to get a better, I think, sense of, of what James Laurinaitis is going to be long-term as a position coach if you give him a year to do it without the, the handcuff of Jim Knowles in the room. I'd say the other part is there's two elements of risk to doing it that way, Berm, which is that Ohio State likes to always pretend like it doesn't violate any NCAA rules. And if you say that a GA is your full-time position coach in public, that's not going to go over too well. What's well, the defense the- position coach? We, we all I know under- how this works. I understand. I understand what the reality is, but Ohio State's rival has already suggested in the past that they are skirting rules by using these positions as on-field coaching roles, which, like, who cares, but also the NCA might. And then the secondary part is more your alley, which is there are programs which are going to use that against Ohio State to say, you're going to go sign up to go play for the position where they've only got a GA? Like, Ohio State can say, well, this GA is one of the most decorated linebackers in the history of college football and the NFL. Sign me up for that. But that's the way that the recruiting game works. Like there, I, I understand that even if you get the hometown discount, that doesn't necessarily mean that Ohio State could or should or has to take advantage of it. No, it's a risk. I mean, Bill, is it, is it a risk worth taking, however, Bill? That's the question. If you get an opportunity to line someone up with Larry Johnson and maybe begin a, a long-term um, succession plan, is it worth asking James to do take that opportunity, you know, take that role this year. I, I suppose I don't, I, I still don't know that the two defensive line coach thing can really, can really work. Like Larry Johnson sometimes does things that run counter to what the coordinator wants to do. Like why would he ever do anything in cahoots or in tandem with a second defensive line coach who just got here? That just seems like you're inviting problems to me. So um, I, they still need to find a way to, to, to massage that. I, I guess I, there's a few different avenues, as, as Austin said. I, I don't know that I have a strong opinion on which of them Ohio State should take. The only, the only thing I really care about is the balance of the staff. Like, they can't go, in my opinion, they can't go into next year with f- still four defensive assistants. Four defensive assistants who can recruit, one of whom is Jim Knowles, who doesn't recruit. So, like, that that's the biggest issue for me. Make it a linebacker's coach. Make it a new safeties coach. Make it a second defensive line coach. I don't really care. They need another person who can recruit on the defensive side of the ball and go on the road. Um, I don't. I don't have a preference as to what position that person coaches. Yeah, I'm more and more on the side that going on the road and recruiting is sort of overrated, and maybe I'm um, just understanding or starting to understand or, or think or believe that 
because most of the stuff now is done on the internet or in phone calls or text messages. Like it matters to have James Laurinaitis walk in your hallway, I guess, but in the big picture of, of the recruiting process, the, the daily conversations leading up to that one time a guy can walk through your hallway every four months isn't really that big of a a loss, I guess. But I do understand it from from the perspective of, of James Laurinaitis, for example, who's like, this is, I want that opportunity. So I think that that's where you have these very nuanced conversations that Ryan Day is going to have to have as he sorts this out. I, I don't know if, you know, Tim Walton's done an incredible job this year with the cornerbacks as far as development, as far as recruiting. I think that he's already got really good relationships with a couple of the safeties that Ohio State's recruiting in the class of 2025. So, like, you're already sort of starting that transition. But I think about Brian Hartline, for example, for the, in this past year, once you start adding all these extra pieces onto a guy's plate, things yep. change a little bit. And, and I don't know if, you know, Tim Walton's an NFL guy. He's, he's done it for a long time. I'm sure he has a good sense of how to, to manage and massage those situations. But I, I often just worry like, okay, is this guy have too much when this other guy has too little? Well, here's a crazy idea. So Ohio State fired its safeties coach. Well, they just didn't retain him. Okay, he's not returning. They have that spot already on their staff that's available. Yeah. They could be moving on from their special teams coordinator. What if they hired a safeties coach and still had another defensive position available to him? That's crazy, right? Like, maybe do that. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I, I think the idea here is alignment to getting to five and five, right? I mean, that, that seems like what you need to be at. But we're we're almost like talking about it as if it's either or like Jim Knowles has to coach safeties like that doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to no. unite that room like you could keep that part already intact. And if you do take advantage of the James Laurinaitis alma mater discount, then you can also still do this other second defensive line plan by not having a full time spe special teams coordinator who doesn't contribute to either side of the ball. Right. But that seems likely. Right. I mean. That would that would make the most sense. We, none of us expect Parker Fleming to be a full time assistant for Ohio State come February one. So the, the decisions that get made as far as staff alignment from here, I think, like if you go into this offseason with only having four full time defensive coaches, because like I, I don't know, it seems like it seems untenable to me to say you know what, let's have six offensive coaches or. Let's hire another special teams coordinator. Like that, none of those, neither of those make a lot of sense. It does not. All right. Um, Ohio State gets Ty Hamilton back. I think that this is a, a sneaky one. Um, Bill, where do you put it on uh, the scale of one to 10 for impactful returns? Yeah, sneaky is a good word for it. I, I mean, I'd say like an eight, probably. Like Ty, Ty is a pretty solid player. And now I think it just creates a little bit of comfort at the defensive tackle position that you know you have Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton back at the top, and then what can you get out of like third year Hero Canoe? Uh, what time when Malone's going into his fourth year, right? Second year at Ohio State, fourth year in college football. Um, so like there's there's not necessarily all young guys there. It's an experience behind those two, but there's not. It's not like it's all freshmen. So I, maybe this leaves you less likely to bring in a defensive tackle. I, I'm not sure, but as far as starting tandems go, like I, I like Tyreek Williams and, and Ty Hamilton quite a bit. I think Ty Hamilton does a lot of stuff that sort of goes unrecognized. And I think he's perfectly okay with that. Um, I was looking at, at pro football focused, like to get an idea of Ty's production last year. And he like, 
He had more tackles this year than he had the previous two years combined. But PFF also has this stat um, called stops, which are tackles that constitute a, a failure for the offense, whatever, whatever that means. Um, there were four teams in the Power Five that had two defensive tackles with at least 20 stops. Texas and Michigan, who had some of the best defensive tackle play in the country, Iowa and Ohio State, and Ohio State is getting both guys back with Tyleek Williams, who was number two in the Power Five in that stat, and Ty Hamilton, uh, who had 20 and was like top 25-ish in that stat. So he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, he also, I think anytime you can stop the, the offense, it's, it's, it's a failure. That is, that is the point. That is the point of playing defense, yeah. He did have an, a PFF stat, Ty Hamilton did, where he beat Tyreek Williams, which was he had a higher run grade defense. What is it? Run run grade? I don't know. Run defense grade? Run yeah, defense that's what grade. it was. There you go. Run yeah. defense grade. Man, I got it. I'm just trying to get on your level with these numbers, and I feel like I got to bring something to the table, and I have no idea what they There's so many words, Bill. And then numbers after that. Numbers like, after, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. I got how it. am I an idea guy? Not how am I supposed guy? to get to the bottom of it? Anyway. He had a great cotton bowl too. He had two tackles for loss and a sack. And I was like, he has some of those flashes. It's the, we've talked about his high floor. I'll let Berm jump in here on it in a second, but the, it's that consistency that we talk about that makes him a key part of the rotation. But, you know, once a game or twice a game, every other game, who knows when it's going to pop up. He does some freaky stuff that flashes. And if he's able to, if they get this, you know, extra year here, which they're going to get, and he does the same thing that his brother did by taking advantage of a, a fifth season. And that wound up being a huge deal for Ohio State. I think the the floor is the, the foundation is set here for Ty Hamilton to do the same. Yeah, and I just like his style. I just like the way Ty, Ty handles himself. He doesn't make a big deal out of anything he does. He just shows up and plays. I do think it sets up an interesting conversation for Hero Canoe and Taiwan Malone and Caden McDonald and some of these other guys. I wonder if maybe with Taiwan Malone, if Ohio State is unable to to locate Another outside slash edge rusher uh, in the transfer portal, provided JT Tumaloa ends up, you know, going to the NFL, which we think is a, a possibility now at this point, more than we did two weeks ago. Taiwan Malone maybe has that frame to play the bigger, strong side defensive end spot. Where if, if you see that growth out of him in this offseason, maybe that's a spot where you can fit him in uh, to to take away some of the the log jam or the clog or the log jam or the clog jam. The clog jam. Uh, so Clark, I mean, Hero Canoe really, played really well down the stretch for Ohio State, and I know he was a player that people are excited to see on the field more. But you, if you're losing Michael Hall, you still want to keep that rotation going. I think you can do that uh, comfortably because Hero Canoe provides you that pass rush and run stopping ability that I'm not sure. Uh, him and uh, Ty Hall together on the field are it's a lot of beef. It's a lot of beef. Plus, Katie McDonald, he's also beefy. Beefy. Got to have beef up front. There's no doubt about it. Ohio State got both Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton back. Two out of three. You lose Mike Hall, but um, as Bill said, their numbers suggest Ohio State could be just fine as they re retool, reload, revamp up there. They get two veterans back who've done it at a high level. They're also going to do some revamping there, starting on the defensive coaching staff with Perry Eliano. Not returning. Breaking all that down to start your Tuesday with us on the podcast. We appreciate you joining us. For Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham, I'm Austin Ward. We'll talk to you later.